Good morning, friends. Um, welcome to Branson on a rainy, thundery, lightning kind of morning. If you hear a little rumbling in the background, it's just another storm rolling through. Today's message I'm going to call is this. The call to do is nothing new. And it comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 to 40. I want to start with just a brief little history lesson. Some of you of my age and uh, maybe older remember the 1960s when President Kennedy said, ask not what others can do for you, ask what you can do for others. And it inspired young people to sign up for service in the Peace Corps. Then came the 1970s, also known as the me decade, with the cultural focus turned inward, as in what's in it for me, what's best for me, what do I get out of this? But it could be argued that every decade before and since has been characterized by a me-centered mindset. In fact, a few years ago, <clears throat> Time magazine featured a cover story in which they called millennials the me, me, me generation. And many millennials would say, Oh, yeah, Generation Z has its beat on that one. The fact is that it isn't new to this generation or any other generation. Humans have always had a what's-in-it-for-me mindset. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. So let's not blame the 70s or the baby boomers or the greed-is-good yuppies or the me-me-me millennials or anyone else. Self-serving self-centeredness is endemic to the human condition. That's why when we become Christ followers, an amazing transformation begins. We begin to see beyond ourselves. We understand sometimes for the very first time, there is a God and I'm not him. There is the center of the universe and it's not me. We begin to understand that life isn't only about accumulating all that I can for myself. I mean, there are millions and billions of people who share this planet with us and they're hurting, they're lost, they're helpless, they're full of despair. And yes, they need our help. These people exist not only halfway around the world, but halfway around the block, even halfway across the room. Our challenges at Challenges Christ followers is to look beyond the world of me into the world of those whom God has called us to serve. That's what Jesus taught in Mark 10:43 to 44 when he said, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first <clears throat> must be slave of all. Jesus not only taught this, he demonstrated this in his life. In the days before he died, he was alone with his disciples. They had just finished a meal, and he did something completely unexpected. In John 13, verses 4 and 5, it says, He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. The Gospel of Luke in chapter 22, verse 24, adds an additional detail that John doesn't mention when he says, A dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Well, Jesus' response to that was to show them what greatness looks like. He washed their feet. This was not the act of a general or king or even your average Joe. This is what servants were expected to do. The pathways in those days were dirty and dusty, and when they weren't muddy, and when you arrived home, your feet would be filthy. It was the servant's job to clean them before you entered the house. And this is what Jesus did for his disciples. And then he says in John 13, starting at verse 12, Do you understand what I've done for you? Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
Yes, friends, we're called to serve one another. And this is one of the basics of the Christian life. And it's something everyone can do. It was Martin Luther King who said everybody can great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. Well, Paul put it this way in Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Today, I want to give us or want us to consider two simple ways that we can develop the heart and mind and attitude of a servant. This is something anyone can do. It's a command anyone can obey. It's a goal that is easily within everyone's grasp. So let's talk about how to make your life all about serving others. And I'm going to share three guidelines. Well, first, serve with a hands-on approach. And we live in a day of what has been described as slacktivism. Well, what is slacktivism? Well, it's the idea that liking a status on Facebook or sharing a link or retweeting something or expressing our righteous indignation in a strongly worded comment that we are somehow, quote, doing our part. I mean, slacktivism is the idea that having information or expressing an opinion or feeling an emotion about a topic is the same as being hands-on involved in the, situ- in the solution. But i got news for you. It's not. Now, I'm not saying that being informed or having emotionally charged opinions are wrong. I'm saying this is not where it ends. Our feelings and deeply held values are a call to service, a call to get involved at the hands-on level. And there are times when we all need to ask ourselves, other than expressing my opinion, what am I doing about this? In any organization, including the church, spectators and critics and so-called experts are a dime a dozen. A fully engaged, hands-on servant is beyond value. Now, no doubt all of us have had co-workers or team members who want to observe and supervise while everyone else does everything that needs to be done. Aren't they a joy to be around? Well, amazingly, it's not a new phenomenon. I mean, when Nehemiah organized the building of the wall in Jerusalem during the Babylonian captivity, he recruited families from every tribe to do their share to work on a specific section of the wall. But there were some who thought such work was beneath them. In Nehemiah 13, verse 5, it says, The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Well, I guess they considered themselves too good for the job. They were like the celebrities who are famous for being famous rather than those who make a name for themselves by doing great work or offering a significant contribution. And when I'm talking about being hands-on, I'm talking about being more than just a consultant. I'm talking about getting your hands dirty, your, so to speak, with real work. I'm talking about serving with busy hands or active hands. And there are really two types of hands-on involvement that I'd encourage you to pursue. One is to serve in an organized ministry or outreach program. And two is just the spontaneous, spur-of-the-moment opportunities that present themselves. All I'm saying is this. Life is full of planned and unplanned opportunities to be a servant. Seize everyone you can. Developing a servant's heart involves a hands-on, hands-active approach. Here's the second thing to consider. Serve with a low profile. I mean, there's some areas of ministry that are high profile, such as what I'm doing right now or when I served as a full-time pastor. I mean, other high profile areas of ministry include singing in the choir, playing in the band, teaching, speaking, leading. I mean, these are all good, but here's a good rule of thumb to follow. 
if your main area of ministry is high profile or high recognition, why not look for opportunities to serve that are lower in profile, that come with no accolades or recognition? Unlike the nobles of Tekoa, look for opportunities to serve in an area that some might consider beneath them. I mean, the fact is that many times your most meaningful opportunities to serve will come with no recognition at all, and sometimes even with no acknowledgement. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This applies to giving financially, and it applies to any act of service or act of kindness that you extend to another. It doesn't need to turn into a photo op or to be fashioned into a press release. Just do it, quietly, under the radar. Let God take care of what happens next. I'm a sports fan, and I remember a guy by the name of Ken Irvin. It was way back in the 1990s, I think sometime. He was a defensive back for the Memphis University Tigers, and he had a once-in-a-career game against the Arkansas Razorbacks. He blocked four punts. Now, the Razorbacks were heavily favored to win, but they ended up losing to Memphis 22-6. Now, Ken Irvin uh, played a major role in the victory. The next day, the local paper gave an extensive coverage of the game, but they never even mentioned Ken Irvin's record-setting performance. Not once. Now, of course, he wasn't playing just to make headlines in the local paper, but one would expect at least a mention. It didn't matter, though, because even though the paper wasn't paying attention, I'll tell you who was. An NFL scout working for the Buffalo Bills. Their personnel team followed his collegiate career and they eventually picked him in the fourth round of the 1995 draft. And Ken Irvin went on to play 11 seasons in the NFL. Now here's my point. God wants us to serve one another in a low profile, under the radar manner, even doing so anonymously whenever we can. Our purpose in giving, our purpose in helping, our purpose in serving is to bless and benefit others, not to score points or build up our resume. If there is a reward or recognition to be given, God will take care of it because nothing gets by him. He sees what we do. He also sees what we don't do. He's the one to whom we're accountable. You see, friends, God will use us all in high-profile ministry. At the same time, Let's seek out those low-profile, low-recognition opportunities to serve as well. And third, serve with no strings attached. A few years ago, I saw some teenagers in front of a church holding up posters that said, Free Car Wash. My first thought was, well, I could probably help out this youth group. And Besides, my car was dirty, so I pulled in and was directed to get in line. I asked one of the kids, so what are you raising money for? He said, we're not. There's no charge. We're just washing cars as a service to the community. Now, I'd seen the signs, but apparently I didn't fully understand the meaning of the word free. As it turns out, it really was a no-cost, no-strings-attached car wash, and a pretty good one at that. I left that day thinking, what a great message to send to the community, and what a great lesson to teach young people. We're here to serve, no strings attached. There are many who want to help others, like Vito Corleone helped others, you know, in The Godfather. I'll do this service for you, and now you owe me. Someday I will call on you. But Jesus suggests a different approach. Luke 14, verses 12 to 14. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. 
Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, understand something, friends. He's not saying you can't have your friends over for lunch. He's really saying look for opportunities to serve others in a no-strings-attached manner. Or put it another way, do for others what they cannot do for themselves and expect nothing in return. Albert Schweitzer was a brilliant man, a musician, a physician, a theologian, a philosopher, but he also spent much of his time as a missionary in Africa. This is his advice. Do something for somebody every day for which you do not get paid. See, this is the essence of no strings attached, no quid pro quo service. I've got nothing to gain from this, and I'm not looking for an edge. I just want to help. I just want to be blessed. The Apostle Peter uh, summed it up this way in his first book, in chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You see, God has given us all, in various measures, the resources of time and skill and, and even money. The purpose of these gifts is not to use them to accumulate more for ourselves, but to minister to those around us. This is a basic fundamental element of the Christian life. We'll never outgrow the need to serve one another. This means we have to move beyond the me, me, me way of thinking, beyond a self-serving way of life. The challenge we must consider then is this. Ask not what others can do for you. Ask what you can do for others. Now, I've saved the key verse of today's message for this final moment because it kind of comes with a little bit of a twist. Jesus told the story about the final judgment when the righteous would be invited to enter God's kingdom. He said, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And he said to the righteous, And he said the righteous would ask, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? His answer is found in verse 40 of our text. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is the twist. What you do for others, you do for Jesus. I mean, let's not lose sight of the fact that every encounter is a divine encounter. That means that every act of service, every act of kindness that you extend to others, you extend to Jesus himself. Sometimes I hear people say, I want to dedicate my life to serving God. Well, friends, here's how you do it. You serve others. In serving others, you're serving God. Therefore, let's do all we can to make every act an act of service. Act not what others can do for you. Ask what you can do for others. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.